Working title. <laughs> uh, as always, I'm Zach Janes, and I'm joined by my good buddy and uh, fellow film critic, armchair film critic. Armchair <laughs> film critic? Extraordinary. I'm, I'm in an office chair. I'm yeah, an you, office chair film critic. I mean, you're an office I'm, chair. I'm more like a, a what is that, a villain from the Marvel Universe, Modoc? Is that his you're name? Modoc. <laughs> I feel like that, but I'm I'm yelling about movies instead of taking over the world. And Hydra and AIM and all that. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Can Why see does that. no one see King Kong Skull Island? That's good. <laughs> uh, uh, Everyone uh, shouldn't be hesitant to go see it. It's good shit. I know, right? Uh, so, Joe, before we hit our main topic today, you've, mm. uh, you seen anything good lately? Man, uh, to be honest, I... Okay, so for our topic today, yes. I, I did a lot of research to make sure that the movies that I watched were still good. I didn't see all the ones I would like to see, but the right. ones I did see, I think, um, we're definitely going to talk about them now that they're fresh <laughs> on my mind. But um, as far as like things outside of that, um, you know, my TV is a Amazon Fire TV. It's got yeah. like it built in, which is cool, except for you don't get to use YouTube TV on that, which is a big old bummer yeah um instead they have what's called imdb tv i don't know if you know this zach but the internet movie database also covers television oh Isn't that wow fucking crazy oh wow even though it's just labeled as movies there's right. actually like tv there's video games in it too yeah it's yeah, like yeah. fucking crazy but anyway imdb t- uh tv uh features a bunch of really weird movies and really weird tv shows i've been catching up on gilligan's island <laughs> Um, a show that can't. haunted my my Nick at Night uh, schedules for a while. I know, right? God, it just like that era of Nick at Night where it was just like Gilligan's Eye, Brady Bunch. Um, um, I'm trying to think. Was um, I think I saw Three Three's Company yes, once or twice. Yes, yes. Um, before they moved on to something like The Cosby Show, which was you know fuck Bill Cosby, but the show was really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, really well written, and um, they. I think they really lost me when they kept pushing Full House on me. Yeah, there was that, and there off. was um oh, who's that one actor that like was on Nick at Night all the time? Um, the the Hispanic gentleman. Mm. Um, oh oh, George Lopez. George Lopez. When his stuff was going on all the time at Nick at Night, that's when they lost that, me. I was oh, so yeah. no, tired. Of I remember George that. Lopez. I, I remember going. I bet Nick at Night is doing something cool right now. <laughs> Oh fuck! <laughs> Here and, we go. And let's see what Adult Swim's doing. <laughs> and then I, you turn you over. Know, I, you, you turn I, over. I, I give that show a chance. It's just I don't like. I definitely have watched it, but I, I do not remember a single thing about it other than the lowrider is the theme song. Right, the show. right. And then the worst part was like I would turn over to like Adult Swim and. Uh, <laughs> like squid billies and crap like that oh i, gosh, I yeah. couldn't stand it i aqua teen hunger force i could barely digest but I, squid billies was something i couldn't stand no i'm i'm all sorts of into that kind oh, of humor, I know you as are. you'll find out in um some of my yes. uh, titles that i've picked at least one of them um, um but before we get into our topic i wanted to talk about a movie i watched recently yeah uh, go for it so for another show that we're recording here and hopefully we'll go live in a little while uh, I watched Nine to Five with Dolly. Oh Parton. my gosh, I love Nine to Five. I did. I I am in love with this movie. Yeah, right. I am in love with this movie. I, I watched it for the first time, you know, just this year, maybe a couple months back. Yeah. Um, and I was blown away by how good this movie is. Right. Yeah. Right. The it's the, just... the subtle voice, like the the voices that they sometimes do, and like the the way they look at each other and everything. Like, um, there's one part where they get pulled over by a cop, you know, and and. Uh, <laughs> you know they're like she's a doctor and then she looks at her own jacket she's like yeah yeah i'm a doctor <laughs> we have to go and then it's like well who's sick and then they're like i am she is you know and then they go back and forth oh god that that whole scene it's, was so funny for those of you who haven't like seen nine to five it's basically like a workplace comedy yes. but kind of in the vein of horrible bosses but instead of you know 
three uh, uh, funny gentlemen. You get three of the greatest like yes. uh, women I've ever seen act in a movie. Yes, uh, like I, I like this way more than horrible bosses. I should just say. Yeah. Um, and I don't have the cast list in front of me. I know Dolly Parton was in. Dolly it. Parton was in it. And, um, she um, sings the the main theme, Nine to Five, which is which is a on my banger. Phone, which is on my phone now. It is a banger. It is absolutely it a banger to this day. Um, <laughs> the comedy of the movie holds up very well. I know it was um, I think written and or directed by the guy that wrote Harold and Maude. Which is also a very, um, very good movie. Yeah. Um, so it was Jane Fonda was the was one of the other ones, and then Lily Tomlin was. Yes, the, thank you. So those those three together, or excuse me, those two with Dolly Parton made up the trifecta, the holy trinity of pureness in that movie. Right. It's such a good workplace comedy. If I mean, I it's feel so like good. I'm. I'm, we might be preaching the choir, but I live in the South. I've well, like, never seen this movie. Yeah, and that, that's what blew my mind was like, apparently everyone else has seen this movie except me because I went over to my mother-in-law's place. We live on the same property. We live on a one mm-hmm. acre square field. And uh, I was dropping off my dog and I was checking on her. She had been sick and everything. And I mm-hmm. came in and she had been doing a little bit better. And I dropped off some oranges and stuff. And uh, I was like, how you doing, mom? She's like, oh, I'm all right. And she said, what have you been into? And I was like, well, I was grading some stuff. And then I watched 9 to 5. I hadn't seen that. And she, like, dropped what she was doing. She's like, Zachary, you ain't seen 9 to 5? <laughs> <laughs> I got a very similar reaction, yeah. too. And I was like, I was like, is that? And she was like, honey, when that was out in theaters, everyone loved 9 to 5. No doubt. <laughs> I, I mean, was like, I was like, mom, I get it. No, I tr- trust me. I love this movie. And she was like, you better. And I was like, Dolly Parton was a treasure in that movie, mom. And she was like, ain't she, though? She is. <laughs> she absolutely is. She can act. She's, Dolly she Parton do. can get it. I know. I, I, You know, it's very... I don't want to say disappointing. I'm sure she has reasons, but I I loved seeing Dolly Parton in Nine to Five. I did like a deep dive on her, um, yeah, her uh, her movie history, and there's not a lot like currently that she's doing. No, I think the last big thing she was in was in 2012 mm-hmm. with uh, Queen Latifah. It was like a church gospel movie, oh, of course, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Um, but you know, I, she can she she has amazing ability to do like all, like i said all the all the subtle like mm. facial you know features and everything like that yeah. so like she can tell a whole thing a whole story with just right. a little action you know and and you wouldn't expect that out of dolly parton because she's such a big and and loud character mm-hmm. you know even in real life yeah absolutely and, and and so for her to to be able to act both subtly and you know explosively like that that just blew my mind you know she she was just great she, she was, was awesome. great the uh lily tomlin yeah. and jane fonda were yes also fantastic they everyone in this movie gets their time in the spotlight yes and lily tomlin was awesome too is violet i i love her um she she's She's, the doctor right yeah she's yeah the doctor um (laughs) she's she's the one that's been there she's the veteran who's been in that business for 15 years right and uh, jane fonda's character judy comes in and she's like recently divorced and needs a job and everything and so Mm -hmm. they hire her it's almost like a pity hire yeah and uh, and so like you start like seeing all the workplace drama and everything like that. Right. And Dolly Parton is the boss's secretary, and everyone assumes that she's having an affair. But she just she it, it, and it really hits home on a lot of things that are relevant today. Yeah. Because she knows her boss is hitting on her, and she just ignores it because she really needs the job. Yep. And, and she even at one point is like. Well, you know what you did last week was all right, I guess. But you know, next time you say we're going for a work conference, I best guess I better check first to make sure there's actually a work conference there. You know, God. <laughs> and, and and like and her character's forgiving and everything, and then he just pushes it just a little too far, and yeah. she just goes off on him. Yeah, and it's, and it's glorious. It's, and it's so well- good. This movie, if you've never seen Nine to Five, I don't know. I, I do it. I didn't see it on Hulu. It was on Hulu for the longest time. It was um, off Hulu by the time I by the time yeah. I wanted to watch it, so I had to rent it for four bucks on Amazon. But, oh, it's um, worth every. But worth yes, absolutely worth four dollars. And then the 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 eventual purchase of Nine to Five for a dollar thirty on iTunes is also worth it. A so. dollar thirty on iTunes. Yeah. Holy shit. Well, I I mean you know whatever. I'll give Dolly Parton a dollar thirty. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure it's not going to Dolly anymore, but <laughs> I'm sure she'll appreciate the the. The she two will, cent. Uh, yeah, she will appreciate that I bought the Deadpool two version of Nine to Five. <laughs> oh I've my never, god! I've never heard that song in completion, and yeah. the worst. And so, like when I was watching Deadpool two, I never made the connection that it was that oh, song. Oh, it's in playing. Deadpool two. I haven't yeah. seen it. 
okay, well, in Deadpool 2, it's playing, but see, there's a lot of killing and stuff going yeah. on, and so it, it kind of takes away from the, the song itself. Oh, you, right. you, just hear, you just hear him go, take it away, Dolly, and it, then he just starts killing a bunch yeah, of people. It, it's the juxtaposition and right. uh, fight. Right, right, right. And that, so I was more focused on the choreography than the music, sure. but then when I realized, I was like, this was in Deadpool 2. Like, I get it. Like, I was like, no wonder I like this song so much. Oh but also, gosh. it's just a, it's a banger of a song. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's so good. It's I'll, so good. Honestly, made me do a deep dive of Dolly Parton stuff. I yes. love her yes. so Dolly, so, Dolly so Parton is a treasure, y'all. Like, um, just, just throwing that one out there. <laughs> she is. Don't, don't sleep on Dolly Parton, don't please. Don't sleep on Dolly Parton, She, guys. she will give you books for your children. She also, will... she's old and tiny and frail. Do not sleep on Dolly Parton. She probably oh, yes. won't be able to breathe. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, she'll probably be able to kick your ass and lift you and yeah, throw yeah. you in the sun. I mean, you know, when she when she sent my my friend Matt, one of my best friends, at his wedding, she sent him a video to be played during his wedding re- uh, reception. Uh, you know, which blew my mind initially, and then I remembered, oh wait, Matt's grandpa is. I'm not allowed to go into specifics, but works with Dolly Parton, mm. and. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. But then the rest of our friend group was sitting there with their jaws, like, dropping to the floor. And they were like, holy shit. <laughs> but even in that video, that was that was only a year ago. She was looking great. And, yeah. And that was, her, that was her at home, nice and comfy. She wasn't as dolled up as she usually is. She was sitting in front of a webcam. And in and singing, you know, I Will Always Love You on, on webcam. Oh, that's awesome. Was gr- even, yeah, Golly. even then. Yes, she's great. She's great. She Golly. apparently called my best, one of my best friends, Matt. She called him the the little dude all throughout his childhood. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah. And there's pictures of Matt and Dolly, you know, in his house. And oh, everything. my God. Yeah. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. So happy for Matt. And she was like, she was like, so little dude, she's like, I guess I better call your wife a dudess or maybe dudette. I don't know yet. <laughs> she's so sweet. Oh, anyway. Sweetheart. So let's get to the topic for this episode All right. because the, this was like, I, I, I get like this sometimes and I apologize ahead of time to our listeners and to you, Joe, but sometimes <laughs> okay. I, I go off on these weird tangential rants slash like trains of thought. Well, when you brought up this topic, um, I was, you know, kind of, I would, I, you know, I didn't exactly know how to, um, respond and come up with yeah. my own selection. Yeah. And I was very curious cause I think it was something we had talked about before, but your reasoning behind it when you, when, you know, we talked about before just hitting record, I think is very sound. So if, yeah. I mean like you should, uh, you should go on that tangent, okay. convince our audience this topic is worthy of <laughs> okay. discussion and I'm going to drink this tea over go. away from the microphone. I appreciate that? that. I would appreciate that. So, um, Guilty pleasures. It's it's a weird thing that guilty pleasures are even, I guess, a category or a thing that we we codify a movie by. Because as long as you're actually getting some pleasure and enjoyment out of it and it's not hurting anyone, why why does it have to be guilty to like it, right? And so I started kind of because we were we were thinking about a topic for this week and everything, and I thought guilty pleasures was interesting, and so I was I just typed in guilty pleasures into Google, guilty pleasure movies, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see what people thought about you know what what counted as a guilty pleasure movie, and naturally Rotten Tomatoes comes up in like seven of the ten first results because Rotten Tomatoes has this like crazy grasp over how we perceive movies, which is something I'll get into maybe a little bit later, maybe sure. not today, I don't know, you know I'm I'm. It's a double-edged sword for me. Right. Right. It's a it's a broader topic. Yeah. But right. focusing in so, on guilty pleasures. So Rotten Tomatoes is getting away with the fact that they can make a book now called Rotten Movies We Love. And so all these movies that they have previously blasted, you know, according to their metric of, of critic reviews, mm-hmm. you know, mixing in with audience scores and things like that. Now they're going to make a book about, I think it's the top eight. 80, I, I can't remember the, the number of movies. I want to say it's 80. It was like a big staggering number. Mm. But it's like 80 movies that have low scores on Rotten Tomatoes that they say, oh, we love. And that just kind of blew my mind slash made me angry. Because I'm like, if you know that people get enjoyment and love these movies, right? Why are you so willing to be like, oh, but this is inherently a bad movie? Well, I think it's part of Rotten Tomatoes in their effort to be completely fair you know, we don't always agree with critics. Um, you know, there and movies that we're going to talk about today. I'm sure I know for a fact that there are critics that really hated the movie upon release, and you know, maybe not being in a position of power, maybe not uh, to to talk about your right. opinion and and have it sit up with the you know negative opinions. You know, add that positive light, or or maybe you know, in in some cases, some of my favorite movies were. 
you know, I've watched them and I liked them at the time. And then I've done a lot of growing since mm-hmm. I've watched them. And, and I did a lot. I made sure that the movies I talked about today, that I could still like them in some way, uh, shape or form. Because if I tell you that I like a movie, I want it to like, I want you to understand what I like about right, it. Right, right, right. Because quite honestly, every movie is flawed to some degree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Because anyone can perceive something in a different light or a different yeah. way. Right. But but Rotten Tomatoes, the point of that website is to get the critical consensus. And, you know, they may not agree, you know, the people working at Rotten right. Tomatoes, you know, whoever are the editors, I don't, you know, have names in front of me. <laughs> whoever they are, who is ever writing these critical synopsises or synopses, um, you know, they're doing it out of fairness. They're they're being the most neutral party right. in this whole critical thing. And the fact that they're releasing a book, I think, is a really cool way to one get know get to know people who work at Rotten Tomatoes. Fair. Um, but also maybe to discover some movies that are overlooked or you know, you know, you can like a bad movie and and talk about how bad it is. I, right. I hope to prove that point today. <laughs> um but, but it just it just kind of blew my mind, I guess, because I think they realize how much power they have over the perception of these films. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is Rotten Tomatoes now. Like, if you don't have that Rotten Tomatoes in the trailer the week after your movie's released, hmm. I think I feel like that hurts or or helps a movie a lot. Because when they say like certifiably fresh on Rotten right. Tomatoes, well, it, or something it, like that, you know, it's saying a lot because it's saying a lot of critics have watched this and like it, and you don't have to, you know, you don't have to throw flashy quotes from reviews. You can just be like, it's you know certified fresh. Like, fair p- enough people like this movie that you know. We we're taking a gamble saying we think you'll enjoy it because mm-hmm. most people do. Like that's what I to me certified fresh means. Fair, fair. Um, I just I I don't know. Part of it just rubbed me the wrong way because mm-hmm. it's it's like that they were making making almost like bank off of things that they snubbed. You know, uh, because I'm sure I'm sure it's not just critics. I'm sure there's Rotten Tomato critics in that that pool of scores and everything mm-hmm. like that. And I just, uh, I don't know. It just started made me think about like movies that were supposedly bad. Right. Right. And I just, I, I, so that led me to another article of theirs. Right. Mm -hmm. And this article I think is from 20, I want to say 2014. Uh, I couldn't find an exact date on this. Uh, let me see if I can find it really quick here. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. No. So this has actually been updated. Uh, so this one's 2018, this this version I found. Okay. But it's 56 rotten movies we actually love. Right. So and, is that the basis for the book, or that is that what they're publishing? I don't because that is kind of a sleazy thing to do. Like publish a yeah. an online article into a book form, it's, sell it for like you know ten fifteen it's bucks, twenty two dollars on Amazon. Jesus, okay. and that's Amazon, and that's Amazon taking their 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 slashing, you know, like because I think it's like twenty five. Oh sure, starting, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I think I think that's actually what they're going to be doing is they're going to be taking the majority of this list and and then some, right, and talking about these movies, but like. There's movies on here. I was I was flipping through it and I was like, "That's a good movie." And yeah. I would go down, "That's a good movie." And like I'm sitting here and I'm like, "Why do they like why?" Well, you know that that brings up the you know a second part of Rotten Tomatoes that you know is kind of flawed where these movies of the past you know we get the the critical consensus yeah you know currently but in the past I don't I I think Rotten Tomatoes is one of the biggest weaknesses is their ability to collect reviews from past movies mm. you know maybe it's just a lack of you know uh, uh reviews out there for them you know that have been public publicized on the internet um i think that's where they're pulling all these reviews from in the first place they're right. not like doing you're they're not actually going to local uh Archival newspaper I- archives yeah. and yeah. like thinking what did they think of Waterworld? oh <laughs> it's bad too you know something like that right right, right. um no, I, I I agree. There is a lot of legwork in there, but I will admit there's a lot of movies on there. I I agree that that are quote unquote bad on Rotten Tomato. You know they're yeah. they're they're rotten. Yeah. But there's they're good. Like they like they just didn't collect all the the reviews. You know I'm not alone in this. Right. 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 You know I I I have sat with people and watched certain movies and we have all had the same Joyce experience having them, including the ones I'm going to talk about today. Yeah. But you know it's just. 
you know, kind of, I don't want to say lazy on Rotten Tomatoes part. I just think it's kind of their flaw is when we look at the older movies or, you know, anything that was released, let's say before 2006. Sure. Yeah. Um, that's just kind of throwing a, well, I mean, there's still, I mean, even, even, even on this list though, there's movies from like, you know, uh, we've got like some 08 movies here just mm-hmm. looking through. There's one from 2013, 2011. Oh, sure. Like that. Yeah, yeah. So going against the grain hard here. Yeah, okay. exactly. But so, Joe, I I wanted to ask you, and then provide some of my own. I wanted to ask you, what are some of your guilty pleasure films that you feel like are legitimately, you know, fun and enjoyable experiences, despite what critics or Rotten Tomatoes or whoever, yeah, uh, your your neighbor Carl down the street, you know, who who's an avid hater of the Last Jedi. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Carl! Yeah, come on, Carl. Just enjoy stuff, Carl. Yeah, come if on. If you don't like it, just Carl. talk about something else. Yeah. All right, so t- give me give me one of your your guilty pleasures, my man. Okay, so so in compiling this list, I wanted to start off, you know, um, in de- descent of quality. So I feel oh, like okay. these movies are going to get harder <laughs> as, to recommend as, as I go as we go deeper into madness. Right. Okay. Um, but the first okay. one I want to talk about was actually really um, it upon its release it reviewed very well okay. but performed poorly at the box office um 2007's walk hard the dewey cox story <laughs> uh directed by jake kasdan written by kasdan and judd apatow starring john c Riley as the titular dewey cox right um you also got jenna fisher in there as darlene madison dewey's love in- interest throughout the movie uh featuring tim meadows kristen wig and a wide variety of other cameos you know, you got people like Jack White being uh, Elvis and uh, Frankie Muniz being uh, Buddy Holly. Really? Um, yeah. No, this is this is a, for those of you who don't know, this is a parody movie. Um, I'm sure, as you can tell by the cast and the, the people that are involved, it's a parody movie on musical biopics. Mm-hmm. And I recently watched this really good um, video essay on the musical biopic and the evolution of which. And there really hasn't been a lot of it. And in this essay, who I'm totally forgetting right now, I think, wrote it on Bohemian Rhapsody, right? Mm-hmm. The the Queen uh, biopic with Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury. He talked about Dewey Cox being this sort of, you know, in, in most movie genres, there's a parody movie that will come out. And then after that parody movie, the movies that follow it mm-hmm. in the same genre will try to um, sort of you know, get rid of those tropes that were made fun of, right? right they'll right. try to subvert, they'll try to adapt, try to grow. And he goes, um, this this essay pointed out that no one has really, I don't know how to say it, has really changed their shit um, after Dewey Cox because no one really saw it. Um, this movie had a budget of $35 million and in the box office made $20.6 That Oof. is international and domestic. Um, but I want, so... So even I, you know, when yeah. this movie came out, I kind of overlooked it. I'm like, come on. Because at that time, there were so many parody movies. Oh, yeah. There was huge yeah. saturation. You know, 2007, we were getting all these um, adult comedies from Apatow and then, like, parodies of that. Um, we were and it was like just the, kind of this that, was huge... that was like the Meet the Spartans era? Yeah. And, like, it, the, was it Scary Movie, like, five or six? Right, yeah. yeah. There was a huge saturation of really bad parody movies. This movie just kind of released and got caught in. Um, but it's such a good movie. It is so hilarious. Um, I love John C. Riley as an actor, and this dude has not only chops for acting, but the soundtrack to this movie is so good. It's you know, it's 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 a hard parody of uh, biopics like Walk the Line and Ray specifically, mm-hmm. um, because you know Dewey Cox is kind of this Johnny Cash character, you know, in a tragic uh, <laughs> a tragic childhood accident loses the ability to smell. Kind of like Ray. Um, It's stupid stuff. It's really stupid stuff. Um, You know, you get stuff like the the dad in the movie, um, you know, because the childhood tragedy is related to Dewey's brother dying. And his brother was like way more talented and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, so the dad is constantly reminding Dewey that the wrong kid died. (laughs) (laughs) That's like that's like his tagline. There, this movie is filled with so many quotable quotes. I, I love it. Yeah. Um, but you know, going back into the soundtrack, it's not only like a parody of Johnny Cash songs, you also get these really great um different variations of you know music throughout the I want to say the the you know, we'll say the fifties to mm-hmm. the modern contemporary. You know, you get these um songs that are in the style of Bob Dylan and James Brown, and there's a really cool 
like punk rendition of Walk the Line. Um, one of my favorite, favorite parts, and it kind of led me to look into um, this person, but there's a point in the movie where Dewey Cox does all these psychedelics and he adopts kind of this Brian Wilson persona, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, <laughs> right. who also did a bunch of psychedelics and tried to make an album that would surpass Pet Sounds. Um, that's where we got, you know, at, uh, we got Smiley Smile after that. It was where, you know, Heroes and Villains mm-hmm. and um, Good Vibrations came with. But there's just, you know, Dewey's interpretation is like filling the studio with musical, uh, just all these different musicians yeah. and just yelling, we need more didgeridoos. <laughs> I want an army of didgeridoos. <laughs> So it's 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 good it's good shit. The soundtrack again slaps. If you look up the soundtrack, it's literally funny. Yeah, there's like, you know, great hilarious uh, comedy song. The this there's a song in the beginning of the movie or uh, early in the movie, um, just talking about walking down the street and holding hands that all the parents like freak out. And are like they're talking about sex. And it's literally the lyrics are like, I want to hold your hand and like look you in the eye and like all these sweet things. Yeah, um, and all the you know. Parents, parents are freaking out. It's yeah. the devil. Awesome. You know, it's it, it's hilarious. <laughs> and I think honestly, not enough people have watched this movie. Go out and watch it. Find it on a streaming uh platform. Yes. Buy a Blu-ray. Yes. This movie is worth your time. All right. Um, so one movie I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Brendan Fraser in the Mummy. Ooh. So, so I love those movies. Right? I never saw the third one, right? With I never, Jet Li. I, yeah, I never did either. Um, um, what was that? The Emperor's Tomb? Dragon something like Tomb. That? Dragon yeah, Tomb. something like that. Yeah. But so this movie has like a 65 or 68 on mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes, right? So it's ter- it's technically rotten. It's, it's on the high scale of the rotten scale. Right. But it's, and I'm sitting here and I'm like. It was a fresh tomato that was left out of the fridge overnight. There you go. There you go. Exactly. And I'm sitting here and I'm just kind of, I've kind of dumbfounded that that is considered a guilty pleasure because functionally as an action flick, you know, mm-hmm. with, 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 uh, mystical powers of mummy and, and for the CGI for the time, yeah. you know, and everything. Well, that, held, held that I think, uh, plays a lot into it, right? Because CGI at the time yes. was, you know, I, I don't, I don't know where this movie falls in history, uh, pre or post matrix, but I want to say post matrix Every movie had to have some form of CGI. Like it was the new. Was Matrix two thousand one? I want to say it was two thousand one. Okay, because Mummy is nineteen ninety nine. Okay, so we're before the Matrix. So anything after the after or before the Matrix kind of looked really awful in comparison. I mean, the Matrix definitely does not look like it holds up that well. Same year. Same year. Okay, so we're par on par with the Matrix. Yeah. (laughs) CGI. It's damn. Um. She. Um. But yeah, so I just you know even okay even so even so even, even if the so, C- even, even, even if the CGI isn't as good as the Matrix or whatever sure, sure, right sure, sure, sure. like the the mummy itself you know it's 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 Brendan Fraser he's this outcast he's been like looking for this tomb you know with all this treasure and stuff and this woman comes by and she's looking for the tomb as well mm-hmm. uh you buys him out of prison they they go on this like big you know adventure they're they're competing with all these other explorers all these american cowboys and british gentlemen and mm-hmm. everything they find the tomb all these uh medjai the egyptian warriors they're like they're like don't open it it's cursed you know mm-hmm. and of course what do they fucking do because they're a bunch of white people exploring a tomb they open the, they open the damn tomb right of course yeah and so then why why would they be scared why otherwise? would they be scared yeah exactly exactly you know a whole troop of egyptian warriors with like badass tattoos and face paint on black horses they're like no please don't open is really cursed we're trying to tell you (laughs) and like and what do they do seriously yeah no no, we're trying to help you (laughs) and they just go ahead and do it anyway but they open it up and they release the curse of the the mummy or the pharaoh emotep right Mm. and emotep you know when he starts out he's all like scraggly and his his skin's burnt and everything Mm. and and all that stuff and he slowly like steals organs from people one at a time and he builds himself back up and to me, as a child, that's creepy as hell. Yeah. Because there's like one point where there's a British explorer and Emotep took his eyes. Mm-hmm. And so Emotep oh has his gosh, eyes right. yeah. and, and like he, he, he can talk and everything. He Well, he can talk kind of. It's like in these whispery, like, mm-hmm. you know, ancient Egyptian and everything. And so this one guy, this Weasley dude who's like doesn't play sides. He, he plays for both the, the British explorers and the main character, Brendan mm-hmm. Fraser's character. You know, he's this Weasley little man. And uh, he he eventually becomes the translator for Emotep. He he like decides he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna serve Emotep instead, right? Uh, and I always remember him because he he talks to Brendan Fraser's character. He goes he goes, Oh Connell, Oh Connell. 
<laughs> but but he's all like he's like he's like you know Lord Demotep took your eyes and the the British explorer you know he's got a blindfold around his eyes and he's like oh well you know I'm uh, I'm so glad you know and yeah, that I could meet him and everything and he goes but he needs more and then that's when he like he takes his tongue out of his mouth and everything right like that kind of crap still sticks with me even as an adult I'm like that's scary as crap man oh my gosh. when I, when you are blindfolded and the guy across from you is like yeah, I'm gonna take your tongue by the way mm-hmm. you know and you know they bust in the room and you know everything's been taken out but anyway moving on. It's it's a fun movie, it's adventurous, and it's almost like that that trilogy of films. Now I'm not gonna say they are as good as the Indiana Jones trilogy, right? But yeah. it's like the Indiana Jones trilogy for the late nineties, early two thousands. Right, yeah, where they're utilizing kind of the the it's more of a reflection of what the action adventure genre was at the time. Right. And while showcasing the technology that was kind of used in movies from yes. that era. And you know, I think it was one of the movies, and I've got to watch it again before I, you know, before this opinion is taken seriously. Yeah. It looked really good for the time. I don't know how that's hold up. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's not like terrible, terrible, yeah. but, but like you can tell it's, it's CGI. And, you know, and for me, I'm like, okay, but this movie is now 20 years old. Yeah. Uh, so well, I, I think if you were to like show it to someone today, yeah. What, you know, someone that only has a, a grasp for modern movies, right? Yes. Would they enjoy it? I feel like they would. I yeah. I feel I, like I they mean, would. You know, it hasn't held up like Jurassic Park has. Right. Yeah. But Jurassic it, Park is just Jurassic Park is like it, it's it's perfect. It's timeless. Right. Right. As far as CGI goes, but like it it hasn't held up like that. But it's not quite as bad as I don't know, like um, like Daredevil, the first Daredevil movie, like or the Scorpion King. Or the Scorp- oh God, yeah. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. The first movie CGI is better than the Scorpion King. Yeah, so. which is crazy, but also. Man, yeah. oh man, we got the Scorpion King out of We that. got the rock. <laughs> uh, yeah, the rock somehow survived. Yeah. Um, but but no, I just, I think you're correct though. I think it's a representation of what was adventure and what was camp at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's always been my argument for Star Wars as yeah. well. You know, the prequels were a representation of what was camp and what was sci-fi at that time. Mm-hmm. And the new trilogy is now a representation of what we consider camp and sci-fi mm-hmm. during this time, during this period. Yeah. And that's what I feel like the the Mummy trilogy is. It's a representation of that early 2000s, like, let's play around with some CGI. Mm-hmm. Let's tell some really big stories. Let's not rely so much on on a, on, on stunts, you know. Let's yeah. rely on effects. Let's, let's do some spectacle. It also had that really good aspect of physical comedy that yes. I think, I think, you know, Jackie Chan kind of popularized in the 90s. Yes. Like, it just... You know, from Shanghai Nights and Shanghai Noon. Shanghai Noon was first. Yes. Um, but also, you know, I've been watching Jackie Chan movies, too. Have uh, I, have, I have um, Police Story 1 and 2 on Criterion. Those are supposed to be really good, yeah. Oh, my God, they're good. But also the way Jackie talks about doing stunts and, like, comedy, it, it, I feel like a lot of those values are kept in the Mummy series. Mm. CGI aside, you know, uh, I we as long as we're talking about the original Mummy trilogy, mm-hmm. we need to talk about Brendan Fraser, who yes. is... Friggin' hilarious. Yes. If you um, if you want some good Brendan Fraser action, watch that Doom Patrol. Yeah, he's like Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol? Doom Patrol has Brendan Fraser is amazing in that's it. That's the that's on the DC. That's on the DC streaming service. or <clears throat> other places. Uh but <laughs> sure um, right but yeah so that's I, i've been watching that recently I, i'm only about two episodes in mm-hmm. but brendan fraser brings it yeah and you know it's funny because bless his heart he has had such a rough time right between now and and i would say the end of the mummy trilogy yeah no one really would hire him he yeah had he all got this blacklisted al- yeah he had all this alimony stuff yeah and, and, and everything and because he was harassed by a, a movie producer or something, something like, like that. that yeah i don't keep um, up with drama but, as much but, but know, Brendan Fraser deserved better, guys. He did. He did. And now he's showing that he can still do it. Like, yeah. in Doom Patrol, he plays this, you know, NASCAR racer that, uh, you know, gets killed in an accident and gets revived as Robot Man. So only his brain survives. And mm-hmm. Brendan Fraser is put in a giant robot costume, yeah. you know. And there's even parts in Doom Patrol where he goes back to his original form. But I digress. So, The Mummy. I, I think it doesn't deserve to be rotten. I think it's a, it's a good encapsulation of... You know, late '90s, early 2000s action. Mm-hmm. It's well written. the The characters are very memorable. I, obviously, I, I'm terrible with names, but I I can go. Oh, that's you know that person from the Mummy. Oh, that's that person mm-hmm. from the Mummy. And that's just because I'm terrible with names. I wasn't sure. A sure. I wasn't a history major for a reason because I'm terrible with names and dates. Uh, You're not IMDb. I am not IMDb. I'm the polar opposite. I yeah. am. I am. We have nothing. DB. <laughs> we have MP. We, WT. Yep. TV. <laughs> FBGB. 
please decide what those uh, letters mean. On your own. On your own. Yeah. On and, your then, own and, then, and then you can tweet them to us. Yeah. So uh, hit me up with your next one there, Joe. Okay. Well, I was going to talk about Hot Tip Time Machine, but I don't want to like spend time on a movie that was critically well-reviewed, also made their budget back, and you know it did well enough for a sequel. Yeah. Um, and I don't think – I think that like qualifies it kind of as a good movie, but go watch Hot Tub Time Machine. It's really funny, and not enough people have seen it. No, let's talk about my uh, let's get let's get some some bad good in here or Uh-oh. good no good bad in here. It's, okay, it's a good kind of bad. Okay, I'm talking about 1987's Over the Top, directed by Menahem Golan, who I've never heard of before this movie. Um, <laughs> written by Sterling Silifant, yes, and Sylvester Stallone, starring Sylvester Stallone. Okay, in this movie, if you've never ever heard of Over the Top, it's a cult classic. Yeah, um, I saw it for the first time uh, at Bonnaroo in the movie tent. You know, at Bonnaroo, you they saw it at Bonnaroo. Yeah, wow. so at Bonnaroo, if you don't know, it's a concert held on a farm in uh, Middle Tennessee. Um, they set up all these stages for people to perform, but they also have a movie tent, a cinema tent where it's air conditioned and you can go in and chill out. They also do stuff like they had the Farley brothers one year watching a uh, dumb and dumber. Really? Um, they, they premiere stuff. I, I one time saw, oh gosh, 30 minutes or less. I think it was the movie with, um, Aziz Ansari cause oh, he was yeah. there and, um, I saw it before, you know, it came out in theaters later that, that year and there was a and a like they do all this really cool stuff but they also show movies like over the top and I, it was the first time i had watched it i was with um my girlfriend at the time and a friend of hers and we you know there wasn't anything really playing so we went to the movie tent to yeah. chill out and whatnot so not knowing anything about this movie this movie is about sylvester stallone he it's based on a real person okay. I, wanna, I, I think i should say that yeah um, up front this movie is about a truck driver who is also a professional arm wrestler. <laughs> okay. Okay. You have my interest. So, so the movie starts off with Sylvester Stallone picking up his son, played by David Mendenhall, uh, his son Michael, picking him up from like a military academy or something. He's like 12 years old. Okay. Right? Okay. And he's been told his whole life that his dad is a no good piece of crap yeah, by his yeah. grandfather it's not apparent at front it's something that they just kind of weave throughout the movie but they have a very strenuous relationship you know the son keeps son always uh, refers to him as sir which is really annoying like it's it's so 80s this movie this entire movie is so 80s okay. it's gonna knock your fucking socks off <laughs> first off the music in this movie the original score was composed by Giorgio Moroder, yeah. um, who most of us probably know from collaborating with Daft Punk, but he was a really famous producer yeah. for, I think, Whitney Houston and like a bunch of other like stars. He does this amazing score through the movie. It's also accompanied by a licensed rock ballad soundtrack. Um, so, of course, you get montages of Sylvester Stallone and his son, who, you know, they learn to get along as the truck, <laughs> as, you know... The movie goes along. They get, there's montages where they're working out on the truck oh, no. with the truck. Oh gosh! Um, <laughs> it's so. Oh my gosh! And it's this movie is cheesy as fuck. If you guys are in for some cheese, you guys want some cheese on your popcorn. You no, just on <laughs> your whole life. <laughs> your whole life. Well, you gotta watch over the top. It, it's funny we were talking about. Um, gosh, uh, what was it? Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai talks about watching over the top too as research. Um, what? Yeah, you're like we gotta watch Cobra Kai or we gotta watch uh, over the top as some sort of research for it because it's it really is like the macho as macho man. Yeah. Um, you know Sylvester Stallone is like just this uh, everyday Joe who's loves his his loves his wife they apparently like separated a long time ago and he admits that it's his fault but he's always kind of tried to be there for his son try to right. be you know uh they circle around to his wife um who is sick at the beginning of the movie that's why he has to pick him up from school the the kid knows that he's you know got to be picked up by his grandfather but right. the academy's like this is your father go with your dad your mother talked to us it's okay grandfather doesn't want Sylvester Stallone in the picture yeah, at all. Yeah. The I put down Evil Peepaw Jason Cutler uh, <laughs> is played by Robert Loggia. I don't know who. And the the you know she's gonna die. Sick Mama Christina Hawk is played by <laughs> Susan Blakely. And <laughs> um, Sylvester wow. Stallone's name, of course, is Lincoln Hawk. 
Just the most manliest man name. Lincoln Hawk. Make you makes you think about his son, poor son named Michael. <laughs> yeah, you got it. I wanted to pitch that to you before I go into the real story because as they're driving the tr- as they're driving truck, you know, yeah. making deliveries, going to the sick mom. Yes. You know. Yes. Um, He's constantly being challenged to arm wrestle by these big muscular, I'm going to say they look like they walk straight out of punch out kind of characters. Right. Um, And the way that he wins, right? Uh, The way that Sylvester Stallone, Lincoln Hawk wins is that he repositions his hand in the middle of the arm wrestling. He basically cheats and then wins. That's what the whole over the top thing means. Going over the top is repositioning your hand so you have an advantage. Yeah. Um, which is totally cheating, absolutely cheating, it? and it's it's viewed as this like stupid like heroic thing of him teaching his son how to be a man. Get there's on one the top, <laughs> yeah, over the top. There, there's a real life there for this movie. Yes, they set up a real life tournament in Las Vegas for for arm, arm wrestling. wrestling. Of course they did. Um, and they filmed you know the competition there. Uh, they had a, a men's division and a women's division, so it was really nice to see some muscular armed ladies yes. like going at it yes. uh, with their arms. Yes. Uh, but um, Stallone shot all his scenes. Uh, I think after the tournament, while there was still a crowd, uh, people were uh, the producers were like, "Hey, if you want to be in a movie, show up tomorrow," and everyone yeah. did. So, so the oh, wow. the movie kind of builds up to this uh, this tournament yeah, 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 um, yeah and there's these really weird candid cutouts where they take the people aside and like interview them and some of them are just again over the top God dang it's it, like man. i'm gonna rip that guy's arm off and eat it and then we're gonna shit it out and then we're gonna arm wrestle it and we'll make it tougher because shitting it out makes the poop tough because i'm tough <laughs> like stuff like that is and it's coming out of literally men who or people who have muscles on yes. muscles, and there's a person underneath them, and there's always a weird hairstyle. The main the main bad guy has like a handlebar mustache and is shaved. Are there any Are there any two kids on top of each other in trench coats? God, that's no, what it sounds I wish. Like. That's what it sounds but like. <laughs> as a pivotal part of the movie, yes, there is a moment where um, Lincoln Hawk teaches his son how to drive the truck. Like his son is giving him shit, like. Um, you know, I probably have a higher IQ than you, you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, he pulls over and, um, he was like, all right, if you're so smart, drive the truck. And like, it teaches him to drive the truck. Oh my God. So the kid drives to Las Vegas to be at the tournament, (laughs) steals one of his grandfather's cars. Look, the first time I saw this again, it was at Bonnaroo in a tent. I, I could not like recommend watching this movie with the crowd more because it is, it was crazy awesome. Just how people were like, yes, steal that car kid. You can do it. (laughs) Like they were just, it was, there was cheering. There was crying. There was booing. It was such an event. I couldn't. That's funny. Yeah. If you like, I've written muscles like eight times in my notes here. If you like muscles muscles on muscles, lady muscles. Yes. Muscles, muscles and trucks. And some really sweet ballady music. Do you do you think this is where Muscle Man from the regular show came from? Man, because I he was doubt all in, it. he was all into arm wrestling. His dad was a was a truck driver. Oh my god, are you fucking serious? Yeah, I haven't watched regular show, but yeah, that's so, hilarious. So his his dad was there's an episode where his dad was a truck truck driver. Supposedly he was the mm. best, and then it turns out like his shame was that he was a forklift driver. Oh my gosh! But then in his in his ghost state, he becomes a truck driver. Oh nice! And uh, and then he's of course always going on about his muscles and arm wrestling and of course. So yeah. like I wonder if that had any influence on that designing that character. You know, most definitely this movie again. I feel like as a cult classic. So you either heard me say over the top and you were like, fuck yeah. Or you yeah. were like, what the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> this, uh, at the time it had a budget of $25 million in box office revenue. Yes. It made 16 mil. So not a lot of people liked it. Right. Upon it's, upon it coming out, Stallone even said that he would have, he disagreed with some of the choices the movie made. Right. Um, and I want to say the other scriptwriter said that he had cried <laughs> when he watched it. Like they cut out so much of the stuff. Yeah. Like this movie had the potential to be a really cool, interesting drama. Yes. Um, but instead they leaned into the eighties cheese, like Just making it the real cheesiest, hard. Yeah. real hard, real like real stuff. This is something you can watch by the way on IMDB TV. <laughs> IMDb TV. IMDb TV. I think I've said that a couple times. Yeah. But um, okay. all right. You know, 
Give it a watch. It's, yeah. It's fucking hilarious. I will, I, I will definitely give that a watch when I get the time. So another movie I wanted to bring up, because it has a pretty ridiculously low score on Rotten Tomatoes compared to what I think it should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even, even though it is, another again, another encapsulation of the time. Do you know Space Jam has a 43% on Rotten Tomatoes? Man, I bet it does. Did you know Space Jam is considered a rotten movie? Man, I knew it was. I just... Okay, look. Look, when you when you walk into Space Jam as a critic and they're like, look, this is a movie about the Looney Tunes and Michael Jordan playing some basketball against some aliens. What, take your standards and throw them out the damn window well, because it's a movie about Michael Jordan and the Looney Tunes. Okay, but also, I mean, let's be real. It's not like a Coen Brothers movie. You know, it's not like what... Rotten Tomatoes values as a good movie, right? It's not even like a Toy Story, if you if you could say that. I don't give a fuck. Okay. I, I know you don't, this and that's is, and that's Space totally Jam. fair this because I love I love Space Jam as well. I I saw it in theaters. The writing is funny. You have mm. you, the don't you don't you um at me, <laughs> don't you um at me. Are you gonna tell me about the acting? Please tell me about Michael's <laughs> acting. fantastic acting. Listen, voice acting. Yes, of the course. Voice acting is professional. Is, yeah. I think Michael Jordan literally portrays what any of us would do if we were in the Looney Tunes world. We'd be like, now, why am I here? I was just playing golf. My name's Michael Jordan. <laughs> I mean, maybe to a degree, but also I've heard Michael Jordan is not the friendliest person. So Fair, fair. The, the whole, the whole sh- I, the, what comes to mind is the yes. shot where he's like, he gets to Looney Tunes world and he goes, What's going on here? Yeah. Like, you know what's going on. He, I can see the giant check that he's that's being signed off camera in his eyes and the, and the look on his fair, face. Fair. Whatever. But like, but like, okay, so Bill Murray, though. Bill Murray's in it's it. A, yeah. He's really good. Great the, cameo. The, the, one, the one gentleman that uh, plays, um, he's in Seinfeld. And yeah. He's, and he's Ned. A, Ned. Um, um, I don't know his name. The it's actor's prob- name always escapes me. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, he was in Seinfeld Jurassic Park. And, uh, you know, he was really good. You know, he was looking for Michael the entire time, digging the hole in the in the golf course, you know, and everything. Um, you are talking about nope, not him. What the fuck? You know, hold on a second. No, Ned from Ned is his character name from yeah. Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Newman is Seinfeld. Right. Uh, I typed in Ned Seinfeld. Fucking stupid. <laughs> Ned Seinfeld. Oh, Wayne Knight. That's it. Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight is okay, his cool. name. Wayne One Knight. of the most badass names. Right. So. I, yeah, that is actually a pretty badass name, right. especially for that actor. Um, Bruce but, Wayne, Dark Knight. Like, it's two last names for Batman. He should have been the next Batman. He should have been the next Batman. He totally should have been the next Batman. <laughs> oh, my God. But um, but anyway, so... Instead of a utility belt, I just imagine him carrying around a mailbag full of Barbasol. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Uh, but um but yeah so okay look this movie is obviously it's a kids movie though yeah yeah and for a kids movie i thought it was real it's it's still legitimately entertaining Mm -hmm. i like the looney tunes action to it yeah you know despite whether or not michael jordan is a a good person or a bad person or not i think he he played you know michael jordan the basketballer i'm too i'm too old for this shit jordan you know i i think he played that character really well he did he did you know and it, it it is a it is a perfect encapsulation of the '90s. I think. Mm, oh sure. You know, because you've got Man, the music. You've got. You've got uh, I believe I can fly. You got mm. all the jokes. You got you. You got your hip, uh, hip hop. You know, monsters and all that mm. stuff. You even got all the other cool basketball. You got Niles Barkley and all those folks. You know, getting, right, their, yeah. getting their powers stolen and everything. And I just uh, I don't know like that kind of comedy you don't see as much in in kids movies nowadays. Like the the physical comedy of the Looney Tunes, right? Sure. And, and well, that's... I think with um, especially big name actors, it, it's become tough to arrange that kind of movie to be made. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think of the Muppets movie being kind of the closest thing. Yeah. You know, at least, you know, that's what comes to my those mind. Are, those are good movies. Those though. are good movies, too. God, but the, the most recent Muppet movies, I haven't seen um, the most wanted one. But the first one, yeah. I think, was a really good combination of having these... Um, Having real people yes. and real stars, yes. and then having these, um, you know, Muppet characters, yeah, um, the, kind of interact with them. Yeah, the big and, song from that one, one an Oscar or something like that. Yeah, I'm yeah, a man Muppet or a Muppet. Or a man. Yeah, yeah, love that song. Yeah, yeah. Um, written by one of the, uh, what was it? Is it Jermaine from Fly of the Concords? Yeah, it's Jermaine, and there's another guy who I'm right. always forgetting. <laughs> That's why we weren't history majors. 
Uh, Brent. Yeah. Was or Brent film, or Jermaine. Or film studies majors. Um, <laughs> that's not part of my degree, is yeah. knowing that thing. Right? I just can tell you about mise-en-scene and why a movie makes you feel the way you feel. I'm gonna, anyway. I'm going to nod and pretend I Anyway, I do about. like Space Jam. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to poop on it, but yeah. I'm, I'm also like being realistic about, you know, it's... There are a lot of things to like about that movie. You know, Danny DeVito in the movie? Yeah. As the, um, gosh, the alien monster yeah, yeah, boss guy. Yeah, yeah, the boss guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super funny. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I don't know. Like, I wonder when it when it comes to a, an obvious kids movie like that, right? Sure. I wonder why people are still going to be just harsh on it. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, w- most of the time, those critics are not going to be children. Right. Sure. Yeah. And they're not going to see it through that lens that you and I probably did at that time. Because mm-hmm. when I watched, I remember very vividly the first time I saw Space Jam in theaters. Yeah, me too. Perhaps that's also why I, I still enjoy this movie is because I grew up with it versus mm-hmm. seeing it as an adult or begrudgingly taking my kid to it. Nostalgia is yeah. fair. A bitch. No, when no. It comes to stuff like this. But that being said, though, I can still look at things that I enjoyed as a kid and go, God, why did I like this? You right. Know, yeah. Like, no, you, you like. It takes a special kind of empathy to watch a movie like from your childhood and yes. still like remember what was good about it, and, while also reflecting on you know what you've kind of grown out of over yeah. the years. Yeah, but like, but, um, but that... there's still like that charm that you know it doesn't take away from the charm you initially had. It's just more you know that's nostalgia playing in. Like right. oh, I remember the first time I watched this and felt this thing. <laughs> this was funny when uh, you know Bill Murray walked in. And, and, and everyone da, da, was da, like, da, da, da. yeah, and everyone was like, what the hell? I didn't know Bill Murray was in this picture. Right. But, you know, going back to critics, though, I, I just wonder why critics would be so harsh on it when it's very obviously meant for children. You know, just like with um, with any one of the, like, OK, so so recently when I hopped on Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. uh, yesterday, I believe. Right. Uh, I think Life of Pets, too, has got like a Secret ter- Life of Pets. Yeah. Secret yeah. Life, sorry. Secret Life of Pets. Yeah has like a, an abysmal score. I and, don't doubt it. And, 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 and I don't doubt it probably because it's probably not as funny as the first one, right? Sure. But, I haven't seen the first one. Well, I haven't seen the first one either. Okay. But at the same time, though, I can I can tell like when something is, is well-written you mm-hmm. know, for children and it's funny, you know, and then when it's also being written for children and it's just kind of... Right. It's, it's there to put kids in a quiet space for an hour and a mm. half, right? And so I wonder if... You- any of those, any, any, anything like that, you know, comes into mind when these people are reviewing these movies, right? Or if they're just like, mm, there was too many fart jokes in this film, and also Michael Jordan. Well, I think forty three. <laughs> I think the the challenge of making family movies, right, is finding stuff that is amusing for the kids, but also putting in stuff that the adults can hang right, on to that right. the kids won't ask questions about. You right. know. A basic understanding of the plot. That's why we get Bill Murray cameos. That's another that's Brendan Fraser funny. film. I forgot about Brendan Fraser in the Looney Tunes movie. Oh, yeah. Lo- so oh, good. God, I forgot about um, that movie. Looney Tunes, back in action. Yeah, yeah God, I forgot um, about that movie. But Did you know they were going to make a Tony Hawk Looney Tunes movie? No, that did... was that was rumored. No, or... no, he confirmed it. Yeah, he confirmed that they were wor- that they had worked on it uh, that, yeah. around Space Jam, actually. Yes. They wanted to do it because that was you know following the trend of skateboarding and the popular... I would have loved the shit out of that. Tony Hawk is a good man. He is. He's <laughs> super great, and I love his tweets. Yes, and yes. I, just... I love his video games up to a certain point, and right. I'm sure he agrees. Right. Um, no, he actually liked the uh, the one with the skateboard controller. He agreed. He thought it was like the best thing that they had ever made. Oh, really? Yeah, I haven't tried that one, um, but I saw Bernie Burns eat shit don't, trying to do it. Don't, um, don't do it. But no, going back to the movie, though, I just, um, I don't know. It, it, I guess it just bothers me, not from a nostalgia point of mm. view, but from the point of view of that I feel like there is something for adults in this movie. Yeah. And there is stuff for kids in this movie. And the again, the writing is pretty clever. I, I can agree with you on maybe Michael Jordan's acting. Yeah. But when I look and at... It's, it, the context of you know the story is also fairly while it's based in real life yeah fairly dated so i mean i feel like Fair. if you were going to show your like kids or kids in 10 years this movie you would have to explain that michael jordan was a big basketball player and quit to play baseball and was awful at it yeah like this was based on a real thing yeah and it also kind of threw me off as a kid because i was like wait a minute this is is this real like <laughs> like following it from that perspective is this it was documentary so <laughs> yeah. um you know uh, i I wonder how the longevity is going to be, you know, uh, for kids that don't have nostalgia for seeing mm-hmm. this in theaters or mm-hmm. knowing Michael Jordan or right, 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 being right. wrapped up in the Chicago Bulls, which were so big at the time. Yeah. Um, I wonder what 
it's what the longevity of it is because I could kind of see critics in the in the nineties being sort of old jaded people with access to a typewriter and yeah. a large audience to scream at and no one to be like, but I like the movie. Yeah. You know, uh, cause, cause yeah. And that, that, that reminds me of another time when I was really little, actually, mm-hmm. um, give you a li- just a little bit of a, a background for this. You know, my grandmother used to own a furniture store and after sure. schools, I would sit in my little tiny pink lazy boy and do my homework and then play video games or watch TV. Right. right yeah. So, one time, uh, I couldn't get back to the back of the TVs and set up my my uh, PlayStation, so I was just watching mm. what was on the TV. And uh, Robert and Ebert came up, right? Mm. Uh, when they're when both were still you know reviewing movies together. Ebert, I can't, I can't, Robert. Yeah. Ro- oh, sorry, I always called him Robert, Robert as a kid. So <laughs> it's <laughs> but, okay. But um, but I, one of them died eventually, right? And then uh, they have both passed away. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. But one, think... one one died, and then another person replaced one of them, right? Yes, for a while. Yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, when they were both still reviewing together, though, I remember uh, they it was like on the news, you know, and I was like, and we're gonna give you some quick reviews from the both of them, and I was like, this movie gets two thumbs up, this one gets one thumb up, one thumb down, and it came to flubber, right? And it was like both of them gave it a thumbs down, you know, and I'm sitting there as a kid, and I was like, why? Yeah. Like, like I understood as, as an a, adult, like it must be really tough to watch, watch that movie yeah. with the child's eye. I guess so. Yeah. Um, I mean, it could be a, a natural thing that happens as we grow and become more jaded and like not able to access that part of ourselves that is more kid friendly and can understand, you know, things yeah. through the through a kid's eyes. Um, I, I mean, like I have definitely worked on that myself. Um, you know, I love watching cartoons and. And kids' movies, I think, you know, right now is a great time for it because everyone that's our age, you know, I'm writing good stories, is writing, is working on these cartoons, you Mm -hmm. know. And, you know, back in the day, I will say that a lot of entertainment kind of felt like off, like out of touch a little bit, like adults talking about what they think kids would care about. Yeah. Um, Or trying to sell us toys. Yeah. Or trying to sell us toys. You know, it it was, it was very kind of, um, I don't want to say kid friendly. It was something I feel like uh, Fred Rogers tried to defend yes. um, children against. You yes, know? yes, uh, yes. He talked about you, you know, know it is kind of predatory actually when you think about it. But also, how do we get here uh, <laughs> from Space Jam? From Space Jam, yeah. yeah. So com- uh, commodifying you know Looney Tunes and yes. the success of Michael Jordan, like for the time especially, is really great. But I, you know, I haven't seen a lot from the Looney Tunes in a while. I. I, I, I can't honestly I don't, I don't say. Know why. Maybe there's some major retooling going on for them. You know, yeah. Um, Disney's kind of you know absorbed a lot of the entertainment industry, so I think what Warner Brothers does with their properties, they have to be strategic in a way because they they're the outliers now. Yeah. In a sense, um, and if they can't keep up, at least. Um, in their own numbers with some of their big IPs, like the Looney Tunes, yeah. they are destined to also be overtaken by the giant mass that is Disney. Disney, yeah. Um, which, I mean, if Disney just controls all of major Hollywood, uh, the only thing that's left for us to do is start our own movie production studios, <laughs> so we will be bought by Disney. You and I start our own studio, and then we get a knock on the door. Oh, boy, I just love coming in here and tearing down you little people every day. Here's you some- have a ideas huh (laughs) how much would you like to to sell them (laughs) you guys think you can go up against me huh (laughs) i don't think mickey would be a fighty fighter like south park portrays him i feel like he's more of the buddy buddy type unless you go against him and then maybe maybe. then then he turns on you fair i could crush you (laughs) with one glove how long do you think i've been in this game joseph bowman I could crush you with this one glove. Squeak. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Well, first off, I want to have some honorable mentions. I, I, I was going to talk about, you know, since we're running out of time, I want to keep this short. I was going to talk about Escape from Tomorrow, 2013 movie, independent shot gorilla style in Disney World and Disneyland. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch that. Um, It's uh bad. It is it is yeah. bad. It's a bad movie. It's creepy uh, and weird. It's shot in black and white. It looks beautiful. It's uh, well-framed and... Um, but like the story is just not great. There's a really good um, video by a YouTuber named Jenny Nicholson who does a huge video essay on the problems in the movie and the problems with the writer-director Randy Moore. Yeah. And I think it's very spot on. However, I still like some of the moods it portrays. Um, I will say I was really hyped out of my friggin' mind when I saw the trailer for it because the music in this movie is 
beautiful and fantastic. Yes. It's one of the best parts of this movie. I think the aesthetic that is built around this shitty story is quite amazing. Um, and, you know, it doesn't hurt that I participated in a contest for the movie and won and never got my signed poster, Randy. Where's Uh-oh. my signed poster and my $100 gift card for the Escape from Tomorrow store, huh? Uh-oh. Huh? Uh-huh. Uh-oh. I saw this movie in theaters and bought it on demand. Oh, my gosh. Did you but really? anyway, wow. not a, um, you know, watch the movie and then watch Jenny's video on it because it's wonderful. Yeah. And the movie is pretentious. But let's talk uh, about my honorable mentions. Uh, of course, I'm going to say The Room. Yes. Trolls 2. Yes. You know, those... Wonderful, awful, quotable movies. Um, I'm going to say, uh, you know, I was talking with my brother last night. He mentioned Rat Race, which is also kind of a movie is, that yeah. um, I think a lot of people would skip over. You know, it's uh, definitely hidden in the time that it was released, uh, especially when you consider the quality of star power in that movie. Mm. And it ends in a Smash Mouth concert. Like, this could not be early 2000s movie any more than it is. I think it might be late I don't know. 90s. Scooby-Doo might be more to early 2000s than that. Maybe. Um, <laughs> and also Super Mario Brothers, which yeah. I have, but I wasn't able to rewatch and get fresh on my mind for this video. Yes. Um, but I, I do kind of enjoy it and how awful terrible oh, it is. I, I do too. My wife legitimately likes it. She finds it enjoyable. I enjoy mm-hmm. it for a different reason, uh, just because it's a, it is like a weird, it's, like... It's such a weird... Like, I, I guess, you know, when I was younger, I had... I was such a stickler for a, a correct adaptation. Yes. Like, it had to be exactly like this thing. I was the exact same way, yes. But at some point, my brain was like, why? Like, you didn't make it. You can make it like that. Someone else just saw all this stuff and decided this would be a really neat way to tell the story. And I... I kind of reflected on just like how people interpreted like IP, yeah. like the Super Mario Brothers. It feels supremely eighties. I know it was like made uh, or, or released in the early nineties. <laughs> and honestly, talking about the production um, reminds me of those old SNL Stefan skits. Yeah, made in a warehouse in South Carolina. <laughs> this hot coffee dumpster. <laughs> Nice. Um, but yeah, so I'm not going to talk about that. What I okay. am going to talk about, though. Okay. Probably the most hated movie I've, I have I could think of oh, Lord. that I liked it. You know, I, I liked and watched, you know, when it came out. I think a lot of uh, we're talking about Space Jam, you know, movies that come out around that time and we're, we see and just kind of latch on to. Yes. Um, not that I latched on to anything like seriously heavy from this movie, but there are like funny moments from it that I really really enjoyed that this movie sadly wouldn't you know if this movie didn't exist i don't think would ever be conceptualized in in any manner i am talking of course of 2001's um directed by and starring tom green written by tom green his opus freddie got fingered so and then it cuts to him tying him playing this keyboard having rigged this pulley system of meats breakfast meats um so they can hang in the air as he plays and he can draw (laughs) he's got a canvas next to him and he can draw as he's playing and eating at the same time as he's doing that his dad walks in and he goes ah daddy daddy would you like some sausage Daddy, would you like some sausages? <laughs> Just that alone, I think, cements the movie forever in my mind as fucking hilarious. Not not including, like, you know, all the sexist stuff. You know, this movie, to say it has a plot, is yeah. very generous. It's very loosely, like, weird shit threaded by a narrative. Um, you've got cameos from Drew Barrymore, um, who was Tom Green's uh, wife at the time. Yeah. And Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> Which is very funny. It's also it also features Julia Haggerty and Eddie Kate Thomas, who is the titular Freddy. Yeah, I think this movie is awful, and I laugh at it in my head. Jeez. I think, for the very least, watch it so you can be in on the conversation and be forever tormented by the backwards man and the floating sausages. I don't um, think I will ever And then watch you can blurt this. out everything else. Um I don't think I will ever watch this. You I, you have you have done the opposite of a sale. Like that's that's what Tom Green is. Like I think he sees the the level of absurdity and tries to push it. And even even by today's standards, I think this movie is really pushing in a lot of ways. And you can't can't find it on Blu-ray. There's no Blu-ray of Freddy Got Fingered. You got to get that shit on DVD. Or you got to rent it on Amazon um, to to see it. But, I mean, if you're down for some just weird shit, 
If you're down for some weird shit and a good time. I was going to do some runner-ups and honorable mentions, but honestly, I forgot everything I was going to say because the past 10 minutes has been the worst 10 minutes of my audio life. I mean, you did tell me to... uh, I mean, this is the guiltiest pleasure I have, I think. (sighs) This is the dirtiest little secret cinema-wise. I mean, uh, not getting into, like, independent filmmakers seriously, like, other than Escape from Tomorrow and Rainy Moore, because that movie had a a wide release. Hey, 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 yeah, steering wheel you just took... I'm taking it back. Here yeah, we go. It, okay. Take it away. Cool. I'm going to drink some tea. My throat is dry. Oh, I wonder <laughs> We're why. We're talking about horse dicks. <laughs> All I was going to say was that my, my, my three honorable mentions are going to talk about really quick. Um, A Knight's Tale is apparently like 58% on Rotten Bullshit. Tomatoes or something like Knight's that. Knight's Tale is a, is a gem. Next movie. Yeah. Knight's Tale is a fantastic movie. So if you don't like it, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like, I, I just, you know, queen and jousting, that's all you need in life. Just, it's so good. Right. Um, another one uh, was going to be Ninja Turtles 2 uh, because... Wait, are you talking about the old Ninja Turtles yeah, or the recent Ninja the, Turtles? the old Ninja Turtles. Yeah. I have never seen the old Ninja Turtles movies. Brother, I think are the you fir- kidding me? I wanna, well, okay. I, I, I was Ninja shown Turtles the first one. Ninja Turtles 2. Ernie Reyes Jr., okay, doing the choreography, Vanilla Ice, rapping, okay, prop comedy out the wazoo. It is fantastic. Just a a cavalcade of things you love. Yes, yes. Um, (laughs) I'll definitely give it a watch. I did think the the recent um, Bay-produced Turtles, the second movie, was so much fun. Nick 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 Palma, the guy who played Michelangelo in the first two, or maybe he mm. did two and three, I can't remember, but he did two out of the three movies, right? Mm. Uh, he's a fantastic martial artist and a really nice guy, and the fact that he could do all that crap with an extra 60 pounds of rubber turtle suit on him... It's impressive. ...is amazing. Why Alone. is there not, like... You know, awards for stunts. Come on. There, I, get there, with it. There should be an award for I stunts. I read something that's that the, the Daredevil sensible. stunt yeah. um, uh, from the Daredevil TV show, yeah. that long fight that's kind of like, uh, what's that? The, uh, the first like season, the second episode? Yeah, yeah. It, it like takes place in a hallway. It's yeah. like Old Boy. Yeah. Um, that Korean movie. Yeah. Um, apparently, it's too long to qualify for a, a stunt award, which is bullshit. That's if it's too long to qualify, then it's in its own category, guys. Right. That right. means you get the other stunt shit that's impressive like that, and you put it up against Daredevil. And if you can't, you <laughs> give Daredevil an award for being the only one who could do the cool shit. Anyway, that's uh, I'm yeah. gonna push my soapbox over here now, yeah, okay. and uh, Zach, you can go on talking about movies again. That's okay. I think we're done here. I Are think, we done? I, I think you've derailed everything. I had a nice plan for today, and you had to drop an A bomb called "Freddy Got Fingered" onto this <laughs> podcast. I will say that soundtrack for "Freddy Got Fingered" is surprisingly better cool. um, than anyone would ever expect. Cool, featuring like Green Day, and I want to say. Uh, 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 fucking Iggy Pop and Eminem and just it's it's definitely the skater soundtrack of cool. 2001 but cool are we done can we go home now <laughs> no we can never leave Zach uh, you and I are locked in this room forever that's why we have to make this podcast fair fair okay All right I'm gonna go use the toilet corner <laughs> You queue up another episode. <laughs> All right. Well, if you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, especially concerns after this episode, please email us at moviepodcast, uh, MPWT, uh, podcast at gmail.com. You can, of course, also hit us up at MPWT. Uh, what's our Twitter handle? I forget. MPWT pod. I think MPWT pod. Uh, we'll put it in the description down below. Uh, you can hit us there as well. If you want to find Joe on the internet and tell him, you know, all the terrible things that have occurred in your mental space because of the words he just said over the past 15 to 20 minutes, you can find him at how is Joseph? <laughs> all right. Is it, how is Joey? Is it, how, how is Joe? How is Joe? How is Joe? My bad. With underscores in between all the words. How underscore is underscore Joe on Twitter. You can find him there and you can tell him all the terrible things that have occurred in your mindscape because of his words. If you agree with me, just tell me that you're a farmer. <laughs> I hate you so much some days. And uh, with that, guys, I think that'll do it for this episode. Till next time, be kind, rewind, and we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.